Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. I wonder if you've ever found yourself living life defined by what other people say you are. Or I wonder if you've ever found yourself living life defined by who you say you are. You know, this is a question that I think we all face and a question that for most of us here in this place would have found ourselves at different times through our lives living a life, uh, you know, due to what other people would say. I remember growing up many years ago, being at school and having a teacher at high school tell me that you're never going to amount to anything, you're never going to do anything amazing, I don't care if you don't do any work in my class, just don't cause me trouble. That's a good word to uh, have spoken over your life, isn't it? I wonder how many people have had someone, uh, you know, who, uh, is in, who you're in a relationship with, whether it be a parent, you know, or a good friend or a teacher who has spoken over you something that is not life-giving, and you've found that that replays in your mind over and over again, even still today. And I wonder how many of us at times look at our own life and see our shortcomings, see our mistakes, see our struggles, that when God speaks, we find it challenging to be able to really grab a hold and a grasp of who God says that we can be because we remember our past mistakes, we remember the struggles. And so therefore we think, oh, how can I ever be someone who would tell people about Jesus because I'm not perfect myself. I want to pick up a story in the Bible. This is a story of Moses. And uh, this story in the Bible is the story of the burning bush experience when the angel appeared to Moses through the burning bush and when God spoke to him. And we see, uh, you know, many years prior to that, we know that Moses was brought up and, uh, in Pharaoh's house and he was brought up by Pharaoh's daughter, and, but yet he was an Israelite. He wasn't an Egyptian, he was an Israelite. And the Israelites in that season and in that time of life were uh, caught in slavery. They were bound up, you know, they had lived life, told what to do, and it wasn't a great environment. But yet Moses had seen life from the other side. And so time had gone by, he'd grown up a little bit, and Moses went to see his uh, Israelites, the Israelite people, see how they were going, when he sees an Egyptian guy having a go at one of the Israelites. What does Moses do? He snaps. He gets all aggro, and he goes, and he actually ends up killing the Egyptian, doing you know, what he probably thought in that moment a favor for his, Israel, his Israelite brother and standing up for him. And then the next day, he comes back and and uh, two Israelite guys were fighting, and, and one of them see Moses, and they go, Oh, Moses, are you going to kill one of us too, just as you did, just as you killed the Egyptian? And so Moses starts freaking out in that point, because Pharaoh also hears about what had taken place, and now Pharaoh's after Moses, and he wants to kill him. So what does Moses do? He flees, he runs, he bolts, he gaps it, he's out of there. I'm like, I'm, I'm tapping out, man, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to run into the world, and he goes to a different land. He's hanging out there for a while which is when he has this burning bush experience. And so we're going to pick it up, and uh, we're going to pick it up in Exodus 3, verse 10 to 14. It reads like this. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God and said, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When, you. when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested again. 
if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. It's amazing in this passage where we see God speaking to Moses and the very place that Moses had fled from, had run out of, had taken away from, had gapped it because of the mistake that he had made, God actually intended for him to go back and to go back into that place and see his people set free. It's amazing that we don't see God coming to Moses and saying, now Moses, I realize you've made a mistake many years ago. I realize that uh, you killed the Egyptian and that wasn't a good choice and uh, you know, and, and he, God never reminded him of the mistake that he had made. Instead, what God did was he called and spoke into the potential, into the God call that was upon his life. You see, the enemy will be the one who will try and hold you back into your past. The enemy will do that. When you find yourself struggling to be defined by the choices that you've made a few days ago, or a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and you think that, who, that, is, that is who I'm defined by, by the choices that I made. That's not God. That's the enemy trying to hold you back. Because God won't define us by our past. Instead, God will release us into our future. So the question is, is what voice do we listen to? Who do we listen to? Do we listen to the enemy who will try and keep you held up, bound up into your past? Or will you allow the voice of who Jesus says you are? To propel you into the God call that is upon every one of our lives. So this morning I want to talk about who does Jesus say we are? Because like I say before, it's not, you're not defined by what maybe a family member said about you many years ago or a teacher. I'm not defined by what that teacher said about me. Although that could be the very thing that could hold me back and continue to trip me up if I allow it to. I'm not defined by the area that I, le- that I come from. The community that I live in, I'm not defined by how much money I have in my bank. I'm not defined by whether or not you've had a failed marriage or not. There are people here, I believe, and you've had a failed marriage. And you think, why should I go to the marriage seminar? Because I, I, I didn't work out the way that I thought it would. Can I tell you, friends, you're not defined by that? You're not defined by a past mistake or a past struggle instead how about we choose to let that go and we get a voice and we get an understanding of who God says that we are and we say you know what I'm going to position myself to get back in and to get have another go I'm going to go to the marriage I'm going to learn some stuff and man I'm going to allow God to pull and call me into the God call that is upon my life don't allow the enemy to hold you in your past every God encounter should propel us into the God call that is upon our life Moses had a God encounter that propelled him into the God call while he was in a wilderness moment, in a wilderness situation, fleeing out of the place that God had actually designed him to be in, out of the place that God had actually wanted to use him to help see his people set free. It came came into a God encounter that then propelled him back into the God call. When was your last God encounter? When was your last moment where now, can I say, turning up to church on a Sunday, yeah, you can, we can, I, I mean, I've been a Christian for many years. I've been in church services where I've come and I've been here and I've just gone through the motions, but yet I've constantly challenged about, would I not just turn up and go through the motions? Would I not just turn up and do church? Would I actually allow myself to come into a God encounter that I know that I need to be able to walk out the call of God that's on my life? 
Come on, we need to get, continually allow ourselves to be positioned to encounter the presence of God. A God encounter should move in us and then through us to help see the world around us changed. What's your life defined by? Moses' response was full of doubt when God initially spoke to him. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh, Moses said? Who am I to lead my people out of Israel? In other words, Moses is saying, who am I? I don't have any special abilities or talents. I'm just an ordinary person. I wonder how many of us have said that. I think that about myself. Well, I'm not anything amazing. I'm not no superhero. I'm just like, like every, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just like you guys, graced by God to be able to walk out a God call that is upon my life. Can I say, don't allow the whole thing of the way you see yourself to be the thing that would hinder you from walking out who God says you're called to be. You're not just an ordinary person. God's not looking for a superstar. God's not looking for someone who has an amazing CV. God's not looking at how much money you got in your bank. All he's saying is, are you willing to say, God, here I am, use me. That's what God's looking for. All he's looking for is people would say, God, here I am. Use me. Yes, God, I struggle. Yes, God, I make mistakes. Yes, God, I've got things and issues that I need to sort out. Yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, I may struggle to read your word. Yes, I may struggle to spend time with you. But how about we just say, God, here I am. Use me. Can I say this? That If you struggle to have a regular God encounter, then the challenge is, is would we come back to that first love? Because... If we struggle to spend time in the presence, I really struggle to read the word, I struggle to find time, you always find time for the thing that you love. You always find time for the thing that you value. So I was challenged, I heard someone say a few weeks ago that if you struggle to, to uh, you know, get time with God, then you've probably lost your first love. I thought, wow, that hit me hard. I thought, man, that is so true. Because the thing that I love, I'll 100% find time for the thing that I value, I'll 100% find time for in a busy lifestyle. So I thought, wow, man, I need to find my first love for you, Jesus, again, so that I would continue and consistently spend time with you instead of making excuses as to why. That was an extra for free. The other thing Moses did was that he said to God, he said, God, but when they say who has sent me, what am I, what am I supposed to say? God said, say that I am has sent you. In other words, Moses was saying, I don't have a message to give. I don't know what to say when I go before Pharaoh. But God's saying, no, no, it's not about what you say. It's not about how you say it. It's not about even you knowing what to say. How about you just start to declare that God has sent me? How about you just start to declare that I am has sent me? How about we allow God to be the message? How about we allow God to be the thing that we declare? He is the great I am. Where there is darkness, he says, I am the light. Where people are hungry. For something that he says, I am the bread of life. For those who need guidance, he says, I am the way. How about we just start to declare the message of Jesus? How about we start to declare what God has done in our our own lives? How about we just start to declare that Jesus is love? That Jesus is an overcomer. That he can help us. That he can do all that we need. You know, we can all relate to the doubt that Moses felt. I remember when I was uh, 20 years old, getting engaged to my lovely wife, about to be married, married before I was 21. Not like today where you have this year, year and a half, two-year engagements, none of that kind of rubbish. Man, you, you get engaged and you're like, just 
mate, quick, as quick as we can get it done, we're, we're getting married. Six months was too long, man. We should have done it in two months. If it was up to me, it would be like, let's just go to the church down the road, sign that paper, we're done. I challenge all the young people and say, well, what, are you, what are you having a year and a half engagement for? You're crazy, man. I don't know what's wrong with you. You can go see a psychiatrist or something. <laughs> we were married in six months. But I remember struggling to think, how do I, I don't know how to be a good husband. I wanted to get married young, wanted to have kids young. But I doubted the fact that I was able to be a good husband to my wife. But yet it's not about who I say I am, or what I say I can do. It's about who he says that I am and what he says I can do. I remember when we had kids four years later. There was no honeymoon babies, so just, it's okay. Four years later, first son turns up, freaking out, thinking, how the heck am I going to be a good dad? Zach comes out, he's born, they pass him to me. I have no idea how to hold this thing. What, you hold him by the legs? What, hold him by the shoulders, by the arms? Hey, dude, what's going on? I don't know what I'm doing. No one told me this stuff. How am I going to train my boys to be good godly men when I have my own struggles and my own weaknesses? God says you don't have to do it in your own strength. You don't need to do it because of the way you see yourself. You don't need to do it because maybe you see yourself as imperfect and how can you train them to be someone who would love and follow hard after God? God says just trust in who I say you are and what I say you can do. I remember at that same time, we were both working before we had Zach, and, uh, and, and my wife earned more than me, and so I was a little bit worried about how when she went on maternity leave, how we were going to live. I was freaking out. My salary was like $13 an hour. There's no way I'm living off that. I went to my boss and said, hey boss, uh, um, Al's going to, you know, we obviously, as you know, she's pregnant, uh, she's going to stop working, can I get a pay rise? He goes, no. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for that. Shoot me down now. He's like, you can work Saturday though if you want. I'm like, how's that? A, how's that a solution? I'll actually hang out with my kid, you know. And so um, I'm like, that's not a good idea. So we prayed, and I was freaking out. And then we felt God say, "Would you start a business?" I was doing flooring at that time. He's like, "Would you start a business?" I had no idea how to start a business. I had no idea how to run one. I didn't even like school. Man, lunchtime was my favorite subject. When we were able to leave early, I was celebrating. When I was sick, I was staying home. I had no idea how to run a business. I'm like, God, you want, you want me to start a business? I don't even know how to save my own money, let alone start a business. I don't know how to invoice people and all of that kind of stuff. But yet God says, no, it doesn't matter what you, who you say you are. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. Just trust me. Trust me. Who do I say you are? And what do I say you can do? Man, we had a hugely successful business over the eight or nine years that we did that. Where, you know, we were subcontracting to one of the biggest companies in the city we were living in, had uh, multiple vans and employers and were able to even employ other people who uh, just did some book stuff for us who needed jobs and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Why? Because eventually I had to come to that place where it's not about how I see myself or who I say I am, it's about who Jesus says that I am. We came into full-time, uh, part-time ministry, sorry, we church was employed, I always knew, I always knew I was called to ministry and the church that we were in employed us two days a week. And that was cool. I had guys working our business, so it was fine. And, but that same week that I was to start employment at the church, and also uh, we had our second son, Kyan. He was only a week old. He was about to play a cricket game. And uh, my wife says, Steve, can you stay home and help me look after our two kids? You know, she'd only just come out, just had given birth, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, oh, 
this is a really important game. I was the captain. Oh, you know, look, oh, oh, it'll be all good, babe. I'm just going to go and play. Then I'll come back straight away. I, give, I ring her up, you know, a few hours later and say, hey, babe, I can't walk. She's like, what? It's like, I went to try and hit the opening bowler over his head and my back sprigs got stuck, got an inside edge because it twisted my knee out past my pad and I hit my knee with a cricket ball, smashing my kneecap the size of a New Zealand 20 cent piece coin, which is like that. Or that, I don't know. I haven't been in New Zealand for three years, I can't remember. But off my kneecap. I couldn't walk for two months. Prior to that, the doctor's like, no, it'll be all good. You'll go in, you'll have keyhole surgery, you'll be walking out. It'll just be a bit of loose stuff in there. Get out of surgery, can't walk. Two months off work. Can't pay our mortgage. Struggling. But yet God came through. God provided. Who does God say you are? And how are you living your life? What are you living your life defined by? Because you see, if we want to walk out the God call that is upon our life, if we want to walk into the dreams and the plans and the purposes that we have, might have a new business idea, might have a new idea for your family, whatever, man, if we want to walk that out, then we need to know who God says we are. Because if we don't, then we will never walk out in fullness of what God has for us because we'll be trying to continually do it in our own strength, in our own abilities. But we need to start walking in the strength of who God says that we are. And for us to do that, we need to know who does he say you are. So I've got a few things that, as I was reading the word, that he says that we are. The first thing is this, we've heard it already this morning. You are a child of God. John 1 verse 12 says, But to all who believed in him, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. As a child of God, we have privileges and rights to God as our father that someone who's not a child of God doesn't have. My kids have, have uh, complete access to my life because they are my children. They can come and hang out with me. They can talk to me whenever they want. They don't need to make an appointment. They just about have free reign to my bank balance, it feels like, because they are my children. We are the child of God, and He loves us. And as a father, He will do whatever He can to help see us move into the call that He has for us. They live a good and an amazing life. You are a child of God. You may, know, you may not know what it's like to have parents who love you. Can I say, yes, as much as that is painful, as much as that hurts, as much as that is something that is very real, can we choose to allow ourselves to take our eyes off that circumstance and see God as our Father whose love is unconditional for you? Why? Because you are a child of God. Second thing, we've been made right with God. How good does that sound for all those who are sinners in this place? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 3 verse 25. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You've been made right with God. You may have made some pretty big mistakes. And for some of us here that may be haunting our life, we may be struggling to get past the mistakes that we've made. You know, you'll be amazed that when God speaks or when you're in the presence of God, the thing that we start to think about is the enemy remind us of the mistakes that we've made. When you're out just hanging out at work, it's like you forget about it. It's like, man, life's going really good. You come into church, lift your hands. I'm a child of God. Next minute, you're reminded about the mistake you made last week, a year ago, six months ago. Come on. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by your past. You've been made right with God. Third thing is this, we are not condemned. 
God doesn't condemn you. Romans 8 verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Come on, condemnation is a very real thing. It's a very real tool of the enemy that will try and hold you back, continue to condemn you, continue to make you feel bad for the mistakes you made. God says you are not condemned. So why don't we choose then to live free from condemnation, live free in the way that God wants us to? Because why? We don't know sometimes who God says we are. You are not condemned. So don't live under it. How about this one? We are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has been... Say that again. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Come on, some people this morning, you need to take a hold of this. You're a new creation. Today is a new day. Today is a new beginning. Why don't we walk in that? Come on, why don't we walk in the fullness of who God has and has for us the things that He wants us to do? Come on, you are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. You are loved. You are saved by grace. You are a new creation. Next one, we are an overcomer. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You are an overcomer. Can I declare that over a few people this morning? You are an overcomer. When you feel like you don't have what it takes to overcome, how about we start to get in the presence of God and we start to declare with our mouths because what we speak brings life or brings death. How about instead of declaring the negative and the what we can't do, we start to declare the fact that we are an overcomer. When we get into the presence of God, God, I thank you. Even in the midst of this situation, you say I am an overcomer. Even though I've struggled for this thing with, for months, I declare I am an overcomer. In Jesus' name. All this stuff comes without any strings attached too, by the way. He also says this. We have power through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Come on. You have power. When you feel like the task that God has placed before you, it's too big, it's too great, you have power. When your friend is sick, you have power to declare that they would be healed. When you're believing for your family member to be saved, you have power to declare salvation to their life. When your bank balance is saying you don't have enough, you have power to declare that you would be pro- that you would prosper, that God would meet every one of your needs because we know He can and He wants to. The same Spirit that lived in Jesus, that anointed Jesus, that gave Him the ability to see people raised from the dead, to see blind eyes open. That same Spirit, that same power lives in you and I. Come on, we've got to choose to walk in that. What about this one? We have been chosen by God to obtain an inheritance. Thank you, Jesus. Inheritance is normally a good thing, right? Ephesians 1 verse 11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. 
Knowing that, how about we start to declare it? How about you declare that over your life? God, I am a child of God. God, I've been chosen by you to obtain an inheritance that you have for me. Inheritance of blessing, inheritance of health, inheritance of, you know, God just working plans out that he has orchestrated for your life. How about we start to declare that? Because that's who he says you are. A few keys to apply to our life real quickly. First thing is we need to let go of our, our past mistakes or what people say about us and not let that define who we are. You need to choose to let it go. Just let it go. If you've got to deal with the hurt and the pain, 100% deal with the hurt and the pain because we need to. You can't just bury it because it'll resurface somehow and at, at some time. Allow yourself to deal with it. If you don't know how, go and talk to somebody. But position yourself to let go of the past so that's not what defines you. Second thing is, don't let your life be defined by what you see in the natural. What you see in the natural is just what you see in the natural. It's not necessarily how God has orchestrated you to live. It's not necessarily what God says about you. It's often not even how God sees it. The Bible says God's ways are higher. So in other ways, what we see compared to what God sees, He sees higher. He sees the bigger picture. He sees from the beginning to the end. We only see what we're living in now. So let's not let what we see now define how we'll live. We need to win the battle within our mind because if we can't win the battle that's in our mind, it'll always be our tripping point. You know, nothing happens without us first thinking about it. The struggles that we have, the sin that we do, the mistakes that we make are all things that we've thought of at some point. So when the enemy throws a negative thought into your life, we need to choose to grab a hold of that and choose not to think on that anymore and allow ourselves to be, our minds to be renewed by the Word of God, by the presence of God. We need to know what He says about us so when the enemy tells us something different in our mind and when we think a thought that we know is contrary to what the Word of God says, that we can come back to Him and say, no, 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 I know that's you, devil, and I know that's a lie, and I know that's true, and I know I'm not defined by that. Instead, I'm defined by who God says I am, and He says I'm an overcomer. We need to live a life, fourth thing, defined by who God says we are. Fifth thing, we need to be armed with the revelation of who He says we are. Don't just hear it. Actually spend time praying over who God says you are. Because we hear messages all the time. We go out halfway through the week, we've forgotten what get preached, what got preached. But when we spend time praying over who God says we are, allowing God to give us the revelation, or in other words, the understanding of what He's saying about us, so that it now starts to saturate our life so that we can now start to walk the way that God has designed us to walk. We also need to make a choice out of the position of who He says we are. Make choices out of the position of who He says we are. Don't make choices out of what we think about ourselves, who your friends tell you you are, who you tell yourself you are. Instead, make a decision out of who God says that you are. So when he asks you to tell your friend about Jesus, they say, God, I can't. No, no, God says that you can. Because if he spoke it, as we start to move, he's faithful to come through. He's faithful to meet you where you're at. Ultimately, this is what Moses had to do. We know the end of the story. He frees the Israelite people. Ultimately, he had to stop 
believe in what he thought about himself and start to believe who God said he was. And as he started to believe that, he went before Pharaoh. He saw miracle after miracle. He saw God's faithfulness time and time again. And eventually God's people were free. I wonder who's in your world that is waiting for you to get a revelation of who, of who God says that you are so that you can bring them into freedom. You may be the only Christian that ever comes into their world and we're bound up and don't want to say and tell people about Jesus because we don't think that we're good enough. Can I say, don't let the enemy rob that other person from walking into freedom by believing a lie that the enemy would say about you. Instead, believe who God says you are so we can start to see people walking in freedom all around our life. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.